Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing the perils of investing in individual stocks. Buddy, this is going to be an investing episode 100%. Uh, here at How to Money, I feel like we try to we keep it well-rounded. We talk about all sorts of, all the different things that have to do with your money, how you earn it, how you spend it, how you invest it. But this is 100% investing. We're going to get like knee-deep in it, elbow-deep in it. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like both. if there's any, if there's any topic <laughs> that people have a lot of questions about that we consistently get pushback on, it is this one. It is, it is about investing in individual stocks. And yes, a, and specifically a lot of people, individual companies. A lot of people are like, hey, listen, like, is it, I don't think it's dumb or why do you guys like advise against it? And so it's time to clarify and kind of go into depth about why it's not our favorite style method of, of investing. Uh, that's right. Real quick though, I wanted to share a quick, this is potentially a money saving tip. So uh, late, so I was in the shower last night getting ready to shave. Do you shave in the shower, by no, the way? I do not. Okay. Get, shave in front do, of my mirror after, but I, I very rarely like shave shave so yeah uh, well neither you nor i have much <laughs> growth but for true. me i was getting to the point to where i needed to shave you know my, my, my scraggly patchy beard was looking particularly scraggly and i love shaving in the shower because it's already warm the, the hairs are soft i got the little mirror that i stick to the stick to the side of the shower anyway i've been using uh, like the shaving lotion 
I am 100% on board with that as opposed to the sh shaving cream. Because shaving cream is just air. You know, like you get the big white... F that, that doesn't help you. That doesn't help you out. Helps me. Uh, Works for me. You think it does, but it, it, it actually doesn't. Okay. Uh, anyway, I ran out of my actual shaving lotion and I needed to shave. And I thought, you know what? Actual hair conditioner. It's a lot like the shaving lotion that I use. So let me give that a shot. So I got it, put it on my face and shaved. Dude, it was an incredibly comfortable shave. Okay. Uh, and it turns out, I, like, I don't, I don't think there's much difference between shaving lotion and actual hair conditioner because it gets the hairs all nice and soft. So I guess you... this conditioner will be cheaper too. Yes. Because in my case, I found myself, you know, I didn't have any shaving lotion on hand. But what I'm saying is that like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to go back because like you get a giant bottle of uh, hair conditioner for like a few bucks, you know, versus is like an eight ounce tube of shaving lotion from special manufacturers who sell shaving stuff. Uh, it costs much, much so more. you're saying it's just all packaging and branding, basically. And, and fragrance, right? Because, you know, that's one of the things they got going is that... Sandalwood they, it or smell, Burly it, Man scent. <laughs> it makes you smell more like a man. As a, Like, I just use my wife's... I just use Kate's uh, shampoo and conditioner. Just, like, honestly, whatever she buys, I use. I don't really care. That's why you smell like a flower petal I, today. I smell like roses. <laughs> I smell very nice. Uh, anyway, I wanted to share that because if you find yourself in a pinch like this, give it a shot. And I will argue with anybody uh, that <laughs> shaving cream... like. The traditional shaving cream is completely it's just it's all for show like literally you're lathering it up it doesn't do anything because when you shave you end up just like wiping it off your face as opposed to the lotion nah, I don't where think you're it rubs right. into your skin like the whole point i just shaved with that traditional shaving cream recently you have not experienced it felt great yeah whatever i looked amazing because <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is for it to moisturize your skin that way you're not stripping your skin and, and yeah, causing no, it to dry, some, to dry out some of that's left on your face afterwards sure, yeah. yeah especially where it's like one inch thick yeah that's really absorbing into your skin oh, all of the excess outer Listen. shell of your shaving cream you're, you're, well, I don't know why you're hating on those traditional foamy uh, shaving creams because hey, I think they work well. If you enjoy the traditional shaving cream, but you get after you it. use your conditioner, and you know what? If other people want to yeah, give, give it a shot saying, too, I'm just saying give it a if, give it a shot. If yeah. it's going to save you a few bucks, like go for it. Yeah. yeah. And this is a tip whether you're shaving your face or your legs. Yeah. So this is uh, something for everybody. Else. Whatever you want to shave, Tommy boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's it's a good tip, and that oh, pretty much anybody can use. I love it if they're so inclined. All right, uh, yeah. well, let's <laughs> move on, Matt. Let's uh, mention the beer that we're having on this episode. This is Trappist Rochefort 10, which is a quad. Are you sure it's not Trappistes? I mean, I can't really pronounce these <laughs> sorts of... Uh, what, it's, it's, a, it's a Spanish beer. No, of course it's not uh, Spanish, yeah. Matt. <laughs> this south, is, south of the border beer. This is a Belgian-style <laughs> beer. And, you know, actually at the end of the episode, I will talk a little bit about the Trappist monasteries that make these kinds of beers because I'm kind of fascinated with them. And this beer is kind of a classic I'm looking forward to sharing with you on the episode today. That's right. All right. Well, let's, let's move on, get on to the subject at hand. The, uh, the topic today is the perils of investing in individual stocks. And Matt, the word peril makes me think of a, a difficult yet epic journey. And right now I'm reading right. The Hobbit with uh, my eight-year-old. Oh, yeah. We're like three right. quarters of the way through. And the journey they undertake is, of course, a perilous one, right? They There are goblins, there are dragons, there are enormous wolves and spiders. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even imagine seeing one of those kind of spiders that <laughs> Tolkien describes in real life. It's this treacherous journey, um, even through like these these dark woods where the sun doesn't even shine. Yes. And um, I don't want to spoil anything for those, those of you who haven't read it. I don't think, I think spoilers are okay with a book that's like 
decades and decades old, but no, don't, you can't spoil it. No, I won't though. So, uh, but yeah, you should. You, the thing is, everything does end up okay for the travelers in the end. And I thought uh, you just said no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like everything else, come on, except for uh, the yeah. Titanic, that doesn't end that well. But uh, <laughs> just like no spoilers, and then he like gives away the end. I'm not gonna get well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People need to know. Yeah. So the the thing is, you know, when we're talking about investing in single stocks, the chance that this perilous journey ends up with a happy ending is is much less likely. I know that some listeners they're really into investing in some specific companies they admire or that they think maybe have a lot of upside. And you know what? To a certain extent, different strokes for different folks. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, basically, since buying just a single share or a fractional share even now of an individual company, it's become as easy as putting your pants on uh, the the allure has like grown quite a bit for or a lot of shaving people. your face <laughs> or shaving your face with with conditioner you know and that's why we figured we needed to cover it in depth today i think it's becoming just more widely appealing to lots of folks yeah that's right it's easier than ever to think of yourself as a fancy pants investor with all of the sophisticated tools that any one of us has at our fingertips uh, or with the ability to like easily drop in on individual company quarterly earnings reports uh, that's becoming popular or just simply because it's more accessible than ever to invest with individual companies with apps like Robinhood where you can buy, where you can sell for free. And it's also easier than ever to become a day trader, right? Uh, because of these things. So we've increased the, the the perilous nature in magnitude and in frequency. <laughs> Folks are doing it more often. Uh, we've made this pretty clear on the podcast. Uh, but a listener, John, he actually reached out to tell us why he completely disagrees with our stance on individual stocks. He's actually done incredibly well, specifically holding Tesla and Apple. Uh, it's it's made a big difference in his wealth building journey. That's great for him. But we are still not fans. And so in this episode, we're going to tackle some of the most common arguments. And we'll talk about why we ultimately disagree. We believe that single stock investing is unnecessary and it can often be problematic. Yeah. And we have no problem with John doing what he does. But it's one of those things where you know we're not going to necessarily change the way we think just because someone disagrees with us. And and it's worth giving our thoughts because really, yeah, of course, at the end of the day, make your own decision. But we want to offer up, you know, our best takes on why we think individual stock investing is kind of a fool's errand. Yeah, that's and, right. But really, Matt, before we get to that, let's actually maybe talk about some of the pros of single stock investing because, you know, again, we, we try not to be ideologues. Let's talk about maybe some of the best arguments for investing sure. in single stocks and, and why it might make sense. And interestingly enough, you know, we don't completely disagree with folks on some of the reasons that, that single stock investing does right. make sense because yeah. you know oftentimes the argument is made to only invest in individual companies when you've done your research they'll make that argument and it's like well I think I can agree with that, right? Don't yeah. don't invest. It's, it's good to do your research in single stocks if if you haven't done your due diligence on the front end. And and yeah, just because you like Nike's new sneaker that they come out with, right. um, that, that doesn't mean <laughs> right. that you should buy Nike stock, right? Uh, and you, you need to have a method for picking undervalued companies. Although we would also say it's easier said than done, right? Yep. That, that sounds nice. Do your research. Make sure you know what you're getting into. But even that isn't isn't easy to do. Yeah, no, it, it takes a lot more than just really liking a service, really liking a product, seeing maybe uh, a write-up, like a sneak peek, a preview, like on maybe a, a magazine that you get and they're talking about like a new car or something like that. And you might think, oh, well, that means I should buy stock in that company because this is going to be awesome. Just because you have impeccable... It's take the world by storm. Right, yeah, yeah. I was going to say like just because you have amazing 
taste, like impeccable taste, that doesn't mean that A, it's going to be a successful product launch. It doesn't mean that B, other people will as well. <laughs> and even if other people do like the product, that doesn't necessarily mean that that company is going to do well, that you're going to see the, the price of the, of the shares of that company increase in value. Another prudent approach to single stock investing might be to keep it small. Uh, this is one that we actually agree on because if you're, you know, if you're going to invest in a handful of companies, you don't want to bet the, 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 the entire farm, right? Uh, we'll talk more about this later. But if you want to invest in single stocks, it's best to just dabble a little bit. I kind of think of it like going to Vegas. If you take 250 bucks, maybe you leave your, your debit card at home, it's going to be much, much less risky. It could even be a lot of fun. However, if you take out, say, $10,000 <laughs> with the option to, to then take out more while you're there, there's going to be a lot more room for regret. Yeah, you uh, go to like a title loan company and <laughs> you know you, you take out money on your car. I don't know. There's there's all sorts of things you could do that would make a, a trip to Vegas, like um, t- take it from fun to being like ridiculously risky. Uh, yeah, exactly. So for instance, a, a small investment in NVIDIA or Tesla just like five or six years ago, like that looks amazing now. And because of their incredible rates of growth, you didn't have to invest a ton of money in order to see a meaningful bump in your net worth. Even just a small investment in one or two companies can pay off for you if you're lucky. Uh, but at the same time, I think the argument of keeping it small is almost like an anti-argument um, for single stock investing. Because the idea is that you know better, right? Yeah, yeah. If you know the truth, and I know we're supposed to be talking about pros to single stock investing, it's really hard. Yeah, we'll get to the cons in a minute, man. <laughs> it's on. hard to get to the cons, but like if you know that this is that you're going to see outsized returns, why would you why would you go small? Why would you just dabble? Because if you know, if you are convinced that this is going to be the case, then why not go for it and see an incredible increase uh, with your portfolio? Yeah, the logical extent of the argument is to put all your eggs in that basket. Yeah, that's <laughs> because what, if you knew, that's what you would do. Yeah, if you're a firm believer in like this is what makes sense, then you go all the way. I, I agree. I, and but not many people will take their their logic, their belief that single stock investing is a good thing to that extent because they're hedging their bets. There you go. Um, all right, but another pro, another. Yes. Argument in favor that's of the whole, that's single stock investing. That's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to tear it down yet. Well, is that it only makes sense when you hold on to this stock, these companies over the long term. We are fans of long-term investing. Yes. I, f- I feel like we can unequivocally say we 100% agree with this. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if you're trying to take no cons here. <laughs> advantage of short-term market swings, well, you're, yeah, you're venturing into trader or even like speculator territory. You're hoping that the dice roll your way in, in the short term. And that's dangerous water that you're wading into, mm-hmm. right? It, it, you just mentioned Vegas, Matt. It's truly Vegas-like to think that you're going to make money on a stock in the short term in the next week, month, or even year or two. And so, yeah, making sure that you're holding period is measured in years or decades instead of days and months is it's just crucial when we're talking about single stocks or when we're talking about broader index funds um, and those short-term gambles can create tax issues too so yeah if you are buying and selling on the reg not only are you creating unnecessary risk but you're creating potential tax headaches too yeah you're creating those short-term capital gains uh, where the earnings that you're going to see are going to be taxed at your ordinary income rate as opposed to the favorable long-term capital gains and if you're Comparing between the two, that's the one that we want to see you have to pay. Although, hopefully, uh, you know most of your money is already in tax deferred accounts anyway, and so you're not necessarily paying that long term capital gains. Uh, and you know, like one of the more stringent arguments for single stock investing is that you're missing out just on the massive upside potential that comes with owning a few companies that could become outliers, producing the, you know those massive returns for you years on end, outpacing the rest of the the ho hum market. And so, if you avoid doing this, if you go with index investing, will you be missing? out on the, the potential for one stock going to the moon? 
Yeah, absolutely. You'll definitely be giving that up, but you're also foregoing the ability to get crushed by owning the wrong single stocks, right? So to, to have your investment cut in half or, or worse, even go to zero, that's what we're trying to avoid here. There is inherent risk involved when investing in individual stocks, just like there's risk involved with any investment. Uh, but we don't think that that is a risk that is worth it. There certainly are some pros and some advantages to single stock investing, but we think that the cons outweigh them. Uh, and we'll actually get some more of some of those downsides, those cons to single stock investing right after this break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at AARP.org slash wise friend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. 
So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, Matt, before the break, we were trying to be charitable, trying to give some of the strongest arguments for in- investing in single stocks. And I think some people have done really, really well. Mm-hmm. I- investing in just a handful of companies and seeing those stocks outperform the market, they've been able to grow their net worth faster than the rest of us who are just in tragically in index funds, right? <laughs> and, but <laughs> Which but, sounds ridiculous to even say out loud. Yes. But like, yeah, that's kind of what some folks think. Some, well, and some folks have actually been able to pull it off, but it is really, really difficult. And we will talk about why we are so averse to single stock investing. And, and yeah, so... So why should people avoid it? Well, the easiest reason is that most stock pickers are losers. And I don't mean that in, in the sense that they don't have any friends. Why you got to be so mean, Joel? <laughs> like, I, they, they're not, it's not that they're not cool. They probably are. They're probably decent human beings. But what I mean is that they regularly underperform the broader index of stocks. Mm-hmm. And we're typically referring to the S&P 500 here. And the truth is, it's not even close. You know, more than 85% of professional stock pickers actually had returns that were below average Ouch. in 2021. So we're talking about professionals. This is their day job, <laughs> and they uh, screwed up in a massive way. They yep. underperformed. So what makes you know, most of us out here who have other things going on in our lives think that you know we can actually do better than those yeah. people who don't do very well at yeah, all. Yeah, when, when, when is 15% ever a passing grade? Right. right. <laughs> well, it reminds me of like the dumb and dumber line. So you're saying there's a chance, you know? It's like, yep, well, there is. I'd uh, say about one in a million. It's, it's pretty slim though. Yeah, exactly. So and then someone might retort and they might say, "Well, that's just one year, right? That that's just last year." And they're right. I'm cherry picking a year, but Let's expand our horizons a little bit. Stock pickers have actually underperformed the broad stock market in each of the past 12 years. Not quite to that extent each year, but but there's certainly a pattern here, right? That even yes. these professionals, that's what they do for a living. They're trying to outperform the market. They're trying to invest in a certain basket of individual stocks that they pick that they think is going to do better than all of them put together. And you know what? They consistently fail. I feel like if there's a, a lobbyist group that represents hedge fund managers, we might hear from them <laughs> the way we're throwing them under the happy. bus. Uh, but another bit of advice that's often given in the pursuit of beating the market is to invest in what you know. And, you know, we like we get where folks are, are coming from when they make this point, because the, the argument goes, invest in yourself or, you know, invest in your own company, which sounds like a decent enough recommendation, you know, that like there aren't many better investments you can make than to get an education or to put some of your dollars towards building a business that will make you money for years down the road. But should you be investing in the single stock of your employer or be buying bits and pieces of companies maybe that are in your industry? On that, we've got to say no. Uh, we think that buying your own employer stock is almost never a good idea because it's it's far too risky from a diversification standpoint, right? Like you already get your paycheck from there. If you're employed by a really large company and maybe you live in a small to medium-sized town, there's a good chance that the, the success 
so that company has a large impact on real estate as well. So yeah. you're you're dip, double dipping there. So don't increase your risk even more by also investing within that company's stock. It's it's also easy to think that you know like that you might see things more clearly because you work in an industry. Uh, you know you can read the the tea leaves. You can pick the right companies. But we feel that the opposite is, is often true. We think that sometimes, because you're so close to it, your judgment is clouded and it's difficult to make a, a more objective decision. Yeah, you think you know better, but in actuality, you're missing basically all the other information because you're so hyper-focused yeah. on your own industry. Yeah, you can't see the forest, right? Yeah. Like, like you're there, you're looking at the individual trees and you're, you're not looking at the big picture. That's right. And, and you will, in all likelihood, make a bad decision. You'll invest improperly because, yeah, you're so focused on that one industry that you work in. Let's let's mention just another argument that, that is used sometimes is, well, you know, it's not a big deal to just maybe invest your tax refund in a few stocks that you like. And, All right. you know, this seems like decent advice on its face because you're keeping your exposure in check, which is kind of what we talked about earlier with keeping it small. You're not overdoing it, right? You're taking, you know, a few hundred dollars, maybe even a $2,000, and you're sticking that money in individual stocks when you get it in one lump sum. But Here's the thing. Money is fungible. So we don't really care where you get your investment dollars from. <laughs> exactly. You know, whether you're taking money from your tax refund or your dollar cost averaging in your 401k yes. every yep. two weeks with every single paycheck you get, single stock investing is still perilous. And you know, it's not a question of where you get the dollars to invest in those single stocks, but whether it makes any sense to begin with. And of course, as you know, at this point in the show, we don't think it does. Yeah. Uh, and I'll mention too, I mean, compared to spending that money, like if the only alternative to that tax refund is you just blowing it right. because that's what you're used it's to doing. Jet ski or single stocks, man, Joel. <laughs> like it's that that uh, bold of a dichotomy. Although, you know, in years past, we would have said that about buying cars. And right now we happen to be in a, an environment where used cars are selling more for, for what they used to. But you definitely can't count on that moving forward. But compared to single stock investing, if spending is your only other alternative, then yes, we would say, I mean, investing in anything pretty much is always going to win if you're looking to right. grow your wealth down the road. And so if that's the alternative, if those are your two options, then we would have to side on the the side of yeah go ahead and invest that money. And can I just say too real quick that I, it's not that uh, we like really individual stock investing in any way form or fashion, but not all stocks are created equal. So if you're like taking a gamble on a penny stock, that is very different than putting your money with a single company that has proven to be successful over many years. That's right. A company like Apple or Google. And I'm not saying that that those stocks are poised to rise even more or that there aren't competitors coming in to. Uh, at their heels trying to take their place but these companies at least have a variety of streams of income and yep. they've proven successful over the long term not all single stocks are created equal that still isn't a good enough reason to say that it makes sense I feel like we're like layering caveats upon caveats <laughs> because because uh, it also kind of depends on the, the type of spending that you're doing right because if you're gonna drop some money on a what, what's this like Rochefort Ten, you know, <laughs> like a nice it's, it's Belgian a, it's quad. It's a six dollar beer. You'll be all right. It, yeah, it's it's not super top of the line, but it's a solid beer. We just want to keep you from that mindless spending. It's just that there's a difference between you putting money towards something that you truly value versus spending willy nilly. But let's uh, let's talk about fundamentals as well, because typically, you know, you might ask yourself, uh, is this a good company? Is this a good company that I'm going to be investing with? Because you better hope so <laughs> if you're banking on making some money from this investment. But this is a pretty tough question because it's not just about 
whether a, the company is, is a good one or not. It's about whether the price that you're paying for that company makes sense. I could list off a bunch of companies right now, like I'm thinking about uh, like Netflix, Peloton, Facebook. These are a few companies that have revolutionized their spaces. You yeah, know? It, 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 historically, anybody would say those are good companies, Matt. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like the ability to, to, to stream virtually any movie at home or to work out at home or, you know, talk with your high school buddies who you've never talked to. In, in <laughs> you haven't like, talked to in years and you're like, like 15 oh, years. Because they had another kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've like forever altered the, the spaces that they inhabit. Uh, the end result of what they have created is incredible. But that being said, how are their respective stock prices doing, you might ask? Uh, pretty rough right now. <laughs> they're, they're, they're truly bad. Uh, what the company is creating, it is important, but so are their financials. And so it's important to keep in mind that the ever-changing competitive landscape, it's something else that you'll have to consistently size up if you want to start investing in individual companies. Yeah, Matt, I think I think the point that you just made goes to kind of show that what Benjamin Graham, who's like one of the, considered one of the classic value investors of all time, uh, he, he talked about monkeys throwing darts at a dartboard. They'd have more success than professional traders and it's one of those things where like yeah you look at these companies netflix peloton and facebook are the ones you mentioned they're all having just incredible success in their arenas but their stock prices are still suffering and so it's not just about picking a company that has done something great or is doing something great there are so many other variables involved too yeah and i think one of the natural outcomes too of doing that research is you know you're looking at a specific company and then you think well well, what about their competitors? So you zoom out a little bit and you start looking at some of the other companies that they're in competition with. And at then you zoom point, out. You're in the weeds. Yeah, you zoom out a little bit more and then you're researching an entire industry, an entire sector. That's not a path that we want you to go down. That's not how we want you to spend your research time as opposed to spending uh, your time and energy towards making sure that you've got some basic fundamental principles down pat when it comes to just your general personal finances. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, let's, let's talk about just another issue that comes to bear when we're talking about individual stock investing. And it might be the most severe issue that <laughs> investing in individual stocks faces. And it's timing. Because let's let's even just assume that you found a great company where the fundamentals appear to be super strong. They're in a sector that is, is going to be booming for it's, decades. It's expanding. Yeah. And they look to be undervalued. And you think they've got room to grow. Well, there are still a couple of key questions that remain, like when to buy and then <laughs> when to sell, right? And so, yeah, let's take, for example, Matt, Tesla, because that has been a stock that has done a lot of individual investors well in recent years. It's a darling of many individual stock investors' portfolio. Yes. So, back in 2015, in hindsight, uh, that would have been a killer time to have purchased some of that stock. Mm-hmm. Of course, if we could all go back in time, we all would. Uh, but by the middle of 2017, you would have been up around 75%. The S&P would have only returned 25%. And so you're like, I'm smart. I know what I'm doing. I'm the genius. But then <laughs> would you have been able to hang on while Tesla stock plummeted in 2019? By the end of that May, they were sitting at a negative 15% return mm-hmm. based on where you would have bought just four and a half years ago. So you're like, I'm underwater now on this stock. I thought this company was the company of the future. They were going to make these electric cars that change the world. And in four and a half years, I, I, I'm at a loss, literally sitting in my portfolio. Mm-hmm. It feels crappy. And so, yeah, I'm not sure if I would have been able to have the stomach for that. And I'm sure a lot of other investors did not have the stomach and got out at the wrong time. And, you know, at the same time, the S&P would have been up 40%, just compounding maybe your your negative emotions. And so picking a winner <laughs> and then getting the timing right is what makes this such a difficult proposition 
especially kind of like you alluded to, Matt, people have families, they have day jobs, they have other things going on in their lives that they need to focus on. And so it can be it can be hard to ride that roller coaster of individual stock ups and downs. It's hard to retain that belief in a company when the stock is plummeting and you know the broader basket of stocks is doing well. How do you maintain that conviction and stay the course? Um, and, and then how do you know when to sell when, when you're on top? That's a really difficult thing to do. And most people haven't figured that out. They are kind of like those monkeys just really throwing darts just hoping to do better than the average yeah and, and what we're talking about here is volatility right it's tough to see one of your favorite companies see a decline in stock price of like 50 or 70 percent uh and the pandemic like that just gave us a clear picture too of, of winners becoming losers pretty quickly uh you're going to see these massive swings in price with individual stocks as opposed to larger indexes gains and losses they get racked up more quickly and the swings can feel either exhilarating or just like a, a total gut punch kick to the pants. <laughs> so for instance, I mentioned the the pandemic uh, for some individual companies. The pandemic was great for business, right? If you bought Zoom, Teladoc, Peloton, these are all companies where back in early 2020, if you would have purchased some of them, you would have seen some incredible returns. That's the smart money right there. Yeah, for a little bit, you know, just for a while, because those stocks are all now far below where they were two years ago. The same thing is true with companies like Roku and Zillow as well. D does that now? Does that mean that those companies are bad? Not at all. But it still doesn't mean that owning their stocks outside of an index fund that it makes any sense. Uh, buying these individual stocks, like they offer the potential for greater gains, but it also opens you up to just uh, like the psychological pitfalls that don't apply to nearly the same extent when you own most of or even all of the stocks in index funds, right? And so we're talking about the S&P 500 index fund or the different total stock market index funds that are out there. Yeah. And, and so w when the predictions were being made, Matt, in the heat of the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, Zoom is going to change the way we work for the rest of our lives. You know, Peloton, nobody's going back to the gym. Peloton is is going to take off like a rocket ship. And uh, like a lot of these companies, like they did and their stock prices went up accordingly. But now they've come back down to earth. And, and many of these stock prices are actually below pre-pandemic levels, even though these companies did great business during the pandemic. And so it's one of those things where would you have sold at the top? You're, you're, you're expecting, especially if when the stock price is up 150% over a, a year or something like that, you know what? I think this gravy train is going to keep going, but it can change almost overnight. And so that timing piece, that volatility piece is so hard to stomach as an individual investor. How do you know when to do what? And, and then, you know, the other part of the problem with individual stock investing is the luck piece, because you can fool yourself into thinking that you're a great stock picker. You know, those long time yep. Tesla investors, yep. they do look like geniuses right now. And it makes me think about our friend Carl, who has a lot of his net worth tied up in that company. We had him <laughs> That's right. on the podcast back in episode 421. But even he, he says, don't do like I did. And you know, the, the route of single stock investing, even though it's been good to me, he would say, he doesn't recommend it. And you know, the, the question really comes down to what's your measure for judging success? And selecting individual stocks is kind of like playing a game where it's basically impossible to determine whether you're good or just lucky. It's kind of like risk where you think you're good at it, but really you're just rolling dice. <laughs> like right. so yeah. much of it comes down to the luck of the roll. I mean, obviously there's a little strategy involved, but it can feel kind of like that where there's a good mix of both. And so, yeah, when stock prices shift by 20%, literally overnight, it certainly feels more like luck 
and skill. And I just appreciate Carl's mentality, even as someone who has picked well, he still got that conviction that it's bad for for most people to do. Definitely, yeah. What I appreciate about about him is that he has that self awareness to know I'm not necessarily a genius. I just really believe in this company, this technology, and, and where they're going. He'd even admit that he's like a little hard headed and kind of just like <laughs> way too into some of those industries. And so yeah. he's like, I, he I, realizes his shortcomings. Yeah. And, and knows that his portfolio portfolio is exposed to more risk because of that. Right. And he knew what he was getting into. And again, it's kind of one of those things where it's like he's willing to put some of his money at risk. And you know what? He's got plenty of wealth in just index funds to cover uh, the rest of his life. And so this is really just kind of something that he does. It's like a passion. It's a hobby. It's an interest. And, you know, that's a different reason to do it. Totally. Yeah. I think one of the worst things that could possibly happen is that you do get lucky initially because then you think that you are an investing genius. (laughs) And then you can potentially follow yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like what if you then end up pouring more money in there after that? Right. Like you end up following those investments with even larger sums of money that could lead to an unbalanced portfolio allocation in addition to a rude awakening when it corrects. Uh, And so if you're going to become a a single stock investor, you got to make sure you keep accurate records on how you're doing so you don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a better investor than you actually are. In this way, I think that it could almost even be better for you if you go all in on a company that just ends up just completely bottoming out. Because then, at least, there's no way that you can fool yourself, right? It's like a flood uh, as opposed to just a trickle. If you're investing in a bunch of different single stocks uh, over time, you're not maybe you're not doing so good, right? But the occasional, you know, maybe you hit a like a double, like a like a base hit, where you're like, oh, okay, like that one did pretty good, and it's like just enough to kind of keep you interested. Uh, maybe you don't keep great records, and you, yeah, you're able to kind of convince yourself that you know what, I'm actually doing pretty good here. Yeah. Versus if something completely tanks, and let's just say you go all in on a single stock, and it just wipes you out, you've got to admit at that point that wow. I, I can't keep doing this. Like so Sometimes th- just one good hard lesson yes. can be all you need to kind of correct your behavior. Exactly. And so I guess um, what we're pointing out is the potential danger for you to have just a, a small measure of success, even if overall it's not doing as well as the something like the S&P. Right. And that success can change very quickly. Uh, but all right, Matt, we've, we've got more that we've got to get to. Let's, let's talk about some takeaways for people when it comes to how they should be investing then. If we think individual stock investing is a fool's errand, it's really stupid and that most of our listeners should be avoiding it completely well then how should they be investing instead we'll we'll talk about that more right after this break you probably think it's too soon to join aarp right well let's take a minute to talk about it where do you see yourself in 15 years more specifically your career your health your social life What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back. And you know, now that we have... Like we thoroughly covered the different reasons that there are a lot of folks out there investing in single stocks and why we believe that you likely shouldn't be investing in single stocks. Let's talk about what you should be doing with your investments. And, you know, one great question to ask yourself is, like, do I need to outpace the market? Because like, I think that's the primary goal of almost anyone out there who is investing in single stocks, right? Like they want that better than average return. But most of us will do just fine building wealth based on the average returns on the market. The uh, the return on the S&P uh, 500 last year was almost 30%. Don't forget that. <laughs> That's really good. That being said, average returns are closer to something like 10%. But that is also really stinking good. Most of us just don't need to swing for the fences. The problem with single stock investing and, and going big is that there's a good chance that you know of you solidly connecting with the ball but that it you know, then ultimately ends up just dying on the warning track because of all the pitfalls that we've discussed. Look at you using a baseball analogy. No, I, specifically, that one was for you, Joel. <laughs> like, <laughs> who are you right now? No, I think that's a good point. Base hits, doubles, triples. It looks good. It looks sexy. It's baseball season. They say, uh, at least when we were growing up, chicks dig the long ball. It was kind of the, the phrase that people would use. And yeah, you, you hit it. You hit a heavy. Swing for the fences. Well, literally in a spring training game the other day, the new Braves first baseman hit, hit a ball and it looked like it was going to the fence. Someone leapt up and made an amazing catch, <laughs> robbed the home run. And that to me is what single stock investing 
think and feel like. <laughs> <laughs> it feels just like that. And so, and it's the tweet from a certain, you know, different CEOs out there that keeps it from actually being a homer. <laughs> I can't, I, I can do it. <laughs> it's like, oh, we were so close, buddy. Why'd you go screw so, it up? So really what you were just talking about is goal setting. And it's that people yeah. need to ask themselves, like, what are my goals here? And if your goal is to try to grow your money as quickly as possible, to try to get rich quick, then you're going to need to probably partake in uh, a lot of individual stock investing. You're going to need to take higher risks. But we talked about recently, you know, why getting wealthy and attempting to get wealthy over the long term is so much better than trying to get rich. And I think single stock investing, that's something that people fall prey to, is they think they need to build up their their war chest of investment dollars more quickly than they actually need to. And those average returns are actually going to be plenty when it comes to building wealth over over years and decades. And so, yeah, the next uh, takeaway, the next thing you need to think about when it comes to how you invest uh, is diversification and how it's the real winning strategy because oh, to- yeah. total stock market funds or the S&P 500 index funds, those are what we typically recommend. Target date funds are another great option for lots of folks. But, but each of those funds is going to buy you a massive basket of different companies. Do you own the loser companies? Yes, yes, you do. But you also own the winners. And so owning that diverse basket of hundreds or or even thousands of stocks, it means you're going to be average. And most people, they balk at that because everybody wants to be better than average at pretty much everything. And most of us are unwilling to admit when we are average or maybe even below average at things. And the problem is, Matt, I think that most people think that working harder or developing more of a skill at something is going to make them a better investor. But in investing, it just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. It works like that in almost every other facet of life. Like the harder you you work and the more skill that you hone, you're going to get better at your job. You're going to become a better parent. You're going to become better at a whole lot, maybe a better swimmer, like whatever your hobby is, the more you practice it, yep. you're going to get better. Um, but that's just not the case with stock picking. And so, yeah, owning fewer handpicked stocks, we would say, gives you a chance at outperforming, but you've also then got better odds of severely underperforming too. Makes me think of that bet. I think we've talked about it on the show, Matt, that Warren Buffett uh, had with a hedge fund manager. Mm -hmm. And this was (laughs) over a 10-year period, and it was a million-dollar bet. They gave the million dollars to charity. Who do you think ended up winning that bet? Our old pal, Warren Buffett. Of course, he never loses. And uh, (laughs) he loses very infrequently. Yes, he does. He does. (laughs) Overall, he mostly a winner. And basically what happened over that 10-year period, the hedge fund manager was like, oh yeah, we'll crush you. What did Warren do? He invested in the S&P 500 index fund, like super basic, bought all the stocks, and he made 125% return over that 10-year period. The hedge fund, 36% return. It's a big difference. And so, yeah, that diversification, not only does it provide peace of mind, but it ensures that you're going to be average. And that is actually not a bad thing. Exactly. Well, I mean, on the topic of being average, I think it kind of comes down to like so often what we hear is that it's not good to be average, right? right? Like we want to be exceptional. We want to be the standouts. Uh, but it just depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about the average American, sure. Like you probably don't want to be like the average American. That's because the average American has a $6,200 balance on their credit cards right, right now, right? Or watches four hours of TV a day. <laughs> exactly. Or, or they have like around $40,000 in student loans. These aren't the kind of averages that you want to aspire to be like. But when we're talking about the market, when we're talking about growing your net worth or your portfolio by 10% every year, 
that's the kind of average that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of average that we want to be like. That's like hitting a triple every single game. And you know what? <laughs> all the time. You're going to stay in the majors for like 15 years if you do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, like despite all of the other reasons not to invest your hard-earned money into just a few companies, single stock investing, it just takes more time. It takes more brain space. That being said, like I'm definitely willing to give more of my cognitive abilities to something where I can make more money. I'm specifically thinking about owning rental properties. That's one of the things that requires a little bit more time and attention compared to passively investing in the market. While I definitely love me some index funds, I also love owning local real estate. Uh, But there's a replicable business model here, and it's got a lot less risk attached to it. Uh, Investing in the market is just one of those rare arenas, like you said, Joel, where working harder, doing more, it almost always leads to worse results. It's it's just shocking because nothing else in life works like that. Um, like you're you're going to get ahead in your job, you're going to build that muscle mass more quickly by putting in more work, and it's just not the case with investing in the stock market for most folks. In this case, the uh, the lazier that you are, the better off you're going to do. And almost nobody gives you permission to be lazy, but we're going to give you permission to be lazy when That's it comes right. to how you invest. And if you just go the lazy route, it's going to end up better for you. Like. Pay less attention to your your overall health. Right. Uh, pay less attention to maintaining your car. <laughs> pay less attention to your relationships. Nobody's going to tell you that. We're not going to tell you that. <laughs> but pay less attention to you know your investments and go. It the actually will pan out. Stupid for you. simple route. Yeah, you just mentioned basically simplicity is the key there. Yes. That if you keep it if you keep it simple, it means you don't have to do all that research. <laughs> that that sounds honestly daunting um, to try to figure out which companies to invest in. You can go the lazy route and still succeed, which I think is impressive mm-hmm. and. And um, that's a winning argument from where I'm sitting, at least. Totally. And, and so, yeah, if, if you really, really are the kind of person who wants to buy single stocks for fun, here's what we're going to say. Go for it, right? Because we can't necessarily convince you otherwise. And so um, t- just make sure that you're doing it with only a small amount of your portfolio. We suggest really at most 5% of your overall uh, investments be dedicated to outlier investments, which yes. we're going to call them like crypto or single stocks. Yes. And 5% combined, yeah. not like 5% of each. Right. So if you've got $100,000- <laughs> Going to put 5% towards crypto, 5% towards single stocks, right. 5% towards art. No, no, no. 5% combined. 5% towards farmland. No. Yeah. Or maybe like uh, a bottle of wine on vino vest, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But really, it's helpful to create something like a, a firewall to prevent that interest from spreading and contaminating the rest of your portfolio that you've decided to be boring with, right? That you've decided to go the lazy route. And one way to do that is to only invest in single stocks, let's say inside of a brokerage account, and only after you've maxed out those tax-advantaged accounts. And and basically, that's going to ensure that you take the prudent route with the vast majority of your investment dollars, right? And that you can enjoy trading single stocks with fund money on the side, and you're not actually going to be worried about losing your retirement dollars by doing it. And so, yeah, ultimately, we're offering our opinion here. You don't have to agree with us, but it is something that we feel strongly about. And, you know, unless we're confronted with data that shows otherwise, we're going to to kind of keep singing this tune. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. If I had a time machine, I'd go back to 2015 and put a lot of money in Tesla because I'm not an idiot. But most of us, we don't have that sort of prognostication ability. Uh, yeah, absolutely. One other thing too I wanted to mention, just because now you know that you should be investing in index funds, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should be investing right out of the gate as well. There are other foundational steps that you need to take with your personal finances, like paying off high interest rate debt, things like that. You want to make sure you've got that emergency fund set up. Those are some of the initial money gears that you need to power through first before you are investing substantial amounts of your money. If you haven't listened to that episode, uh, it was 302. That's where we introduced the idea of the money gears. We recommend that you go back and listen to that one as well. 
But speaking of gears, let's shift gears, Joel. Let's get back to the beer that you and I shared during this episode. And we shared one, but this is one where oftentimes, like it's a smaller bottle. I definitely could have enjoyed my own bottle of this instead of sharing. <laughs> I should have picked like up two. Five that's, ounces. That's a Joel fail right there. I'll, I'll claim it. <laughs> it's what it's like slightly smaller. It's definitely not a 16 ounce pint, um, but it's a 11.2 ounces. And I, I swear I missed that 0.8 ounces. Uh, <laughs> so 0.4 each of this delicious beer. But yeah, what were your thoughts on it? Okay. So I really enjoyed it. And I agree. I could have used a little bit more because it's, I love me a good quad. I think it's the first style of beer I was really attracted to when I started drinking craft beer. And, and this is like dark fruits. It's got a velvety kind of vibe going on. It's rich and malty and very malty. What's better than a good Trappist quad? Um, Not many things. And so if you like dark beers, if you're into stouts, but you don't really, haven't really given quads a shot, then I would say like, get you a legit Belgian Trappist uh, quad because they're, they're what, like seven or eight Trappist breweries, I think around the world. Oh yeah. Most of them are in Belgium. Yeah. You're talking about uh, an article you came across. Some of them are in danger of not producing as much beer in the future because there aren't as many people who want to be monks apparently. Like... (laughs) Uh, and so, <laughs> does that surprise you? No, it doesn't. But what what I think needs to happen? Oh, sign me up to live the celibate life. I think they need. I think, <laughs> I think they need some monk influencers on TikTok. Is what they need to do. That's going to be what jumpstarts them. Is that going to be the tipping it's, point? It's going to be the proper recruiting tool. I think. Hopefully, because I would hate to see this style die out. But I agree. You've got those like those dark caramelized, you know, caramel like flavors. Uh, it's just super warming. This isn't honestly the kind of beer that you want to enjoy on a spring pre-summer day <laughs> as the temperatures are rising this is more kind of like sitting around the fire at christmas like, totally. like that's when you want to typically pull out like a belgian quad because it's just full-bodied lots of different flavors real bready almost like you kind of have like a fresh loaf right out of the oven it's just very makes, makes it feel like you're at home yeah. somehow <laughs> yeah but uh yeah totally agree if i would say if you have been drinking if you're like oh i like guinness or i like some of those darker beers go in the direction of Belgian quads because it'll maintain some of those darker flavors, but it'll definitely just punch it up a little bit and give you uh, a lot more to taste as you're drinking those beers. Yeah, the variety of notes going on in a quad is Mm -hmm. just superior typically to what you get in a stout, at least a stout that doesn't have a bunch of adjuncts thrown in it. But Totally. uh, So I'm always game for these kind of beers. This one I hadn't had in years. It was good to have this one again today on the show. Yep. And again, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but it's Trapistas Roquefort. Is that, does that sound right? I was right? going to say Roachfort, but um, I don't know. Roachafort. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not that. Southernness uh, coming through, I guess. But we will uh, we'll certainly post a picture up like we normally do within our show notes for this episode up on the website at howtomoney.com. But Joel, that's going to be it, buddy. So until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 